Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church right here in Covington. And it's a pleasure for us to come to you with the good news of Jesus, the gospel. We look forward to a wonderful occasion at the corner of Fudge and Monroe Streets as we gather as a church family today. But we're glad that you're listening in to uh, this time on radio. A lot of folk who can't get out, unable to be with their church family. And uh, we're just glad that we can offer this good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now today, I'd like to start a series of messages. Uh, today, we're going to consider that the church is still the family of God. The church is still the family of God. You know, the church is like a family. Now, that's good news. Now, the bad news sometimes is that the church is like a family. The truth is, the families don't always get along, do they? Someone had said families are like fudge, mostly sweet with a few nuts. And many of you remember the statement of comedian George Burns when he says, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family that lives in another city. I was reading a Peanuts cartoon uh, one day, Linus and Lucy, the brother and sister of the Peanuts family, were uh, quietly walking down the sidewalk, talking to each other. This in itself was a miracle, wasn't it? You may remember that Linus said, Big sisters are the crabgrass in the lawn of life. Linus says to Lucy, Charlie Brown says that brothers and sisters can learn to get along. He pauses to make sure that Lucy's listening, and then he says, Charlie Brown says that they can get along the same way mature adults can get along. And again, he pauses to let the words of wisdom sink in. Charlie says that adults can get along the same way that nations get along. And this time the pause is a little longer. He begins to think about what he's saying, and finally he scratches his head and concludes, at this point, the analogy breaks down. Well, the analogy breaks down a whole lot when it comes to family relationships and how we either do or don't get along. Someone else put it this way. Remember Winston Churchill's immortal words at the beginning of World War II? We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. Wait a minute. That sounds like our family vacations. And sometimes that's true, isn't it? You know, during the siege of COVID-19 and the pandemic, the face of the church, especially in its execution of God's purposes, changed dramatically. That was uh, mandatory in some respects. But we probably will never see the church exactly the same face as it was then. It's possible that most local congregations will never look exactly the same. But I want us to know that God has not changed his design or purposes for the church. Therefore, in his eyes, the church is still the same. 
at the National Day of Prayer gathering uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to pray for the church. And in that prayer, I made several statements acknowledging that the church must continue to serve the purposes of God that he originally gave her. And I made some statements uh, in that prayer that I want to uh, take as a series of sermons for us over the next few weeks. One of the statements I made was, Father, we acknowledge that the church is still the family of God, brothers and sisters and members of the household of faith. I said, Father, we acknowledge that the church is still the kingdom of God on this earth for which Christ prayed and through which your will can be accomplished down here. And I prayed, Father, we acknowledge that the church is still the only institution whose sole purpose is to preach and teach the good news of Jesus and make disciples throughout the world. And I prayed, Father, we acknowledge today that the church is still the bride of Christ for whom he will one day return to claim as his own. And I prayed, Father, we acknowledge that the church is still the pillar and the foundation of truth. So today, dear friends, let's consider that first acknowledgement of that prayer. The church is still the family of God. I believe that to be true. I know it's true. I want it to be true of every local congregation that gathers and that works to accomplish God's will. Let's consider the family of God. You know, the family or the household of God is, is a clear picture of how God views the church. Uh, in Ephesians 2 and verse 19, the Apostle Paul wrote and said, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And that word household in the Greek is oikios, and it literally means family or kindred, those who are related to each other. We are the household of God. We're members of his household. Not just the worldwide family, but that applies to the local church as well. And every local church <clears throat> is a household of God. Paul made us aware of that in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, where he talked about the fact that he was going to be <clears throat> coming to visit Timothy. And he says, if, if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. <clears throat> now, in a few weeks, we'll look at that last statement, the pillar and foundation of truth, but we're going to stay today on the idea that we need to know how to conduct ourselves in God's household as families, as local families of God. God sees us as his family. In Galatians <clears throat> chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul wrote this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And once again, here's that word, uh, oikos, family of believers, household of faith, some translations word it. 
we, we belong to the household of faith. No matter what the conditions around us, the church is to be active in reaching out and doing good to all who are in need. That's part of our job as the family of believers. In, in fact, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, when Peter preached to the household of Cornelius, the first Gentile family to become Christians, he mentioned the fact that Jesus was one who went around doing good, and we still need to be doing that same thing. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17, we see this word again, <clears throat> household of faith, family of God. The New Living Translation words it this way, for the time has come for judgment, or that means God's refining discipline. The time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. There's that word family or household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? Now, let me bring in another word here that identifies the family of God, and that's the word brotherhood. The church family is called a brotherhood. In 1 Peter 2.17, the Apostle Peter just makes a short little statement and says, Love the brotherhood of believers. The Greek word is adelphos. Adelphos, brotherhood. Uh, in 1 Peter 3 and verse 8, Peter writes and says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Love as brothers or love the brotherhood. Be compassionate and humble. Um, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, Paul says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Brotherly love, the brotherhood love. It's special. It's family. And, and I, I want us to consider Hebrews 2 verses 10 through 13. Because in this special scripture from Hebrews, we see many words that relate to the church as a family thing. We are family. So take a listen or turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 2, verses 10 through 13, where the Hebrew writer says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. But the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises, and again, I will put my trust in him, and again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me, and those are all Old Testament scriptures that were fulfilled when Jesus came to earth, died on the cross, and established his church, his family, and he says, I'm going to I'm not ashamed to call these people my brothers and sisters. I'm in the congregation when they meet, I'm going to sing your praises. I'm going to put my trust in you. 
here I am and the children that God has given me. This brings out so well the idea that the church is still the family of God. And let's not forget another special word that's much related to this word brotherhood, and that's philadelphos or phileo, one of the Greek words used throughout the New Testament for love. Brotherly love, family love, if you will. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10, Paul says, now about your love for one another, and that's phileo, and now about your love for one another, we, we don't need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Not only does he use the Greek word phileo for love, but he calls them, refers to these Christians as brothers and sisters, because they are family. And then to kind of wrap all of this up, I also want to mention the fact that we are God's children and therefore we are his heirs. Turn to Romans 8 verses 15 through 17. Let's look at another family-oriented passage for the church, shall we? Romans 8, 15 through 17, the powerful <clears throat> Romans 8 passage. The spirit you received does, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, let me just highlight the idea that he uses the word adoption here and the word sonship as he talks about how we get into the family of God. And then, we cry out to him as a result of this relationship. We call him Daddy Father, special, personified. Uh, the Spirit testifies, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, and if we are children, then we're also heirs. We're in his will. We're going to inherit, along with Christ, all of the glories of heaven. Now, this matches up with that beautiful scripture that we love in 1 John chapter 3, the first two verses of 1 John chapter 3. I've always loved this passage. John writes and says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This is so special. 
And from this idea, also, we need to consider the fact uh, of this brotherly love. Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love. That's, uh, that's so important. Now, the scripture uh, uses two special words to identify how we become God's children. And I want to just mention those two words as we, as we consider this idea that the church is God's family. And the first word is born or begotten. And uh, this, this word begotten or beget from the uh, King James Version uses the idea of beget. Uh, it, the Greek word is genao, and it means to, to have a birth, to have a child. You know, a lot of people start reading the New Testament and they get bogged down in the very first chapter of Matthew because it gives the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob begat Judah and the brothers. And uh, we don't know what begat really means or a lot of people don't, but it, it simply means gave birth to. Abraham fathered Isaac and Isaac fathered Jacob, begotten. Uh, in James chapter 1 and verse 18, uh, James writes and says concerning God the Father, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. He chose to give us birth. We're born again because of the heavenly Father. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12 uh, the Bible says that the Word of God is living and active. In other words, it's, it has power. It's alive. You see, what he's talking about here is how we are born spiritually, and it's very similar to how we are born physically. The seed of God's Word, or the sperm, if you will, of God's Word is planted in the heart, and through faith and the Holy Spirit, there is that fertilization that happens and the child of God begins to take shape and then is born a new creation. It's a transformation process how we are born again, just like <clears throat> Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. If you want to get into the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again, born of the water and the Spirit. It's a very similar process as the seed fertilizing and growing. Uh, Genao, we're born, we're begotten of God. And then the other word is adoption that we read about just a couple of minutes ago. And uh, that word in the Greek literally means to place as a child. It's the condition of a child given to one to whom it does not naturally belong. We're adopted, we're placed by God. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17, Paul talks about this. He says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies 
that we are the spirit, uh, with our spirit that we are God's children. Uh, born again and adopted or placed as his special children. You know, the church is still the family of God. We need to be the family. We need to act like the family. Um, <clears throat> I, I read the story about Leslie Lynch King Jr., who was born on Monday, July 14, 1913, in Omaha, Nebraska. His parents separated 16 days after his birth and were divorced the following December. His father was abusive, had a drinking problem. So his mother took her baby and moved back to her parents' home in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where she later married a man named Gerald Ford, a, a paint salesman. Ford later adopted young Leslie and gave him his own name. And later, we know in his life, Leslie Lynch King became Gerald Ford, the 38th president of the United States. You see, born Leslie Lynch King by adoption, Gerald Ford entered a new family and was given a new name. He became part of a royal line of men, all because he was adopted into a new family with a new father. And dear friends, when we are saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father adopted us and placed us into his family. We were given a new name, Christian. Our names were written down in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven. We were placed in a royal line of believers. We were added to a special, special group called the church. Acts chapter 2, at the very last verse of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, and the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. That's his church, his family. That's special. We have a new father, a new family, a new name, a new destiny, a new life. I'll tell you, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Aren't you? We're going to be singing that hymn uh, in our service at the end of the service because we are family. I, I lived up in near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania when the Pirates, the baseball team, the Pirates, won the World Series that year. And, of course, the special song that they played at every game was we are family. Well, when you consider the church, the Lord's redeemed, we are indeed family. I hope that we think that family's special. There's no family like God's family. Uh, we are in the blood of Christ. We are his people. We live because of him and we live for him. Do you have a new father, a new family, a new name, a new destiny, a new life? I hope so. You can be a part of the greatest of all families, God's family. I hope that you are born again. 
and that you have been adopted into, into his family by his spirit and living for him. Thank you for listening in today. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for the inspiration of your word, for your Holy Spirit that enlightens us. and you're The same spirit that gives us spiritual life gave us your word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that today it has done some piercing and some convicting and some challenging. If there are those listening that that don't know Christ as Savior and that are not a part of your family, that they will desire that more than anything today and give themselves over to Jesus. Would you just take care of each one, every weakness, every problem, every trouble, every obstacle, every hurdle. We know that Jesus gives us victory no matter what. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.